Good morning again. Uh, there uh, will be youth group again in September. So we're looking forward to that. No youth group until then. This Thursday, August 25th at 7 p.m., there will be a free concert here at the church, uh, JJ Weeks. Uh, invite all your friends and pack out the church on Thursday evening. We'll be taking a love offering for JJ Weeks during the concert. And next week, Adon and Maria are making, again, authentic Latino lunch. I'm looking forward to that after church. Uh, there'll be snacks after church today, so feel free to stay in fellowship. Uh, this morning, uh, we were told that Arliss has a word for, come on up here, for, the, for this church? Yes. Okay. Every church. Every church. All right. Looking forward to that. I was in a prayer meeting with the men of Issachar and the global prayer person, and this word was shared, and it so impacted me. It is a word of restoration. So open your hearts to receive it, okay? God is restoring what was lost with interest. One day, I was in worship when the word of the Lord came to me. In the next six months, you're going to wake up settled in the land I promised to give you long ago. You will wake up and realize that all the battles that you've been through, the fires that you and all the wildernesses that you survived are no longer ahead of you or even around you but behind you. You'll breathe deep and see no sign of the pain or trauma that have been following you around for years. The battles you were required to fight, you will no longer have to face. The hope deferred that has been like poison sitting in the very recesses of your soul is already beginning to evaporate from your life, never to be seen again, praise God. I am establishing you, says the Lord. I'm establishing you. I'm establishing you. I'm taking your feet and I'm planting them firmly and deeply. I'm strengthening you, and I'm giving you the land that I promised that I would give you. I will move suddenly and quickly to get you to where you need to be, and I will give you rest. Yes, your nomadic days will finally be over. Just moments ago, everything that I said that I would give you was out of reach. Just moments ago, you were at the door and it looked like there was nothing on the other side. But now you'll step through the door and see what I've been building for you. You'll see what I've been orchestrating for you that you did not even know I was orchestrating. And you'll see what I have been building that you had no idea 
or cruel about. It's been a season that was felt like you were falling into despair and into the depths of darkness, but you'll soon see that I was building you. I was establishing you. I was getting you ready to step into the, your promised land. I know it looked like you would never reach it, and it looked like you would never get to the other side. But you'll soon see that I have been leading you through, holding your hand to make sure you do not miss it. You'll see that I have been freeing your feet from every trap, loosing your hand from every basket, and removing every yoke from your shoulders. Yes, I'm establishing you. I'm giving you the land that is attached to your new assignment, and you will step into a season of building. You've had to surrender your plans and old assignments, surrender everything that you've been birthing, and everything that you've been building. You've had to burn the old oxen, remove the old mantle from your shoulders, and let everything in your hands drop. But now I'm giving you your assignment that is attached to the land. I'm giving to you now, says the Lord, what I have been storing up for you for years. I'm restoring everything with interest. We have been in an Ecclesiastes 3-3 season, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. Now the Lord says, as you begin to see what I have been storing up, that is when you will start to experience the restoration. I will restore every single thing that was lost, every single thing that was broken, and every single thing that was torn down in this past season. And it will come back with interest. Soon you'll see your season of the hardest ground become the place of the most fruitful outpouring you've ever seen in your whole life. Soon you'll see the place of your greatest trial and your greatest assassination attempt become very lo location become the very location that will I will pour out my spirit without measure. Prepared to birth a new movement. Don't you see that I've been preparing you? I've been preparing you to birth a new movement that wasn't on your radar. I've been preparing you to establish a movement through you that will drive down deep into the earth and shake your nation and extend from you into the nations of the earth. I've been shaking you upside down, inside out, but now get ready to see everything that's been on the inside of you that I've been depositing. Get ready to see the fullness of the mantle upon your life. Get ready to see the fresh oil and anointing 
that I've been depositing in you. I'm going to use you to establish families of revival and places of my presence. I've been looking to and fro, looking intently to find those who would prepare a place for me to dwell. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where's the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Isaiah 66, 1. You, Lord, and nothing else. And I've seen you on your face, and I've said, this is the servant that is giving me room. This is the one who says, you, Lord, and nothing else. You, Lord, and nothing else. There shall be no other lover other than you. And in a time of mixture, in a time of great compromise, these ones have chosen the low road, the road to my throne, the secret place, the private place, the place of my gaze and nothing else, the place where everything has gone to die, the place where every man-made achievement just evaporates. Now, from this surrender, I'm giving you the keys to this fresh move of my spirit. All around the earth, and the sign shall be that I will plant and establish them. And the sign shall be that I will gather my remnants from the nations. And I will call them to the place that I have preserved for them. And the sign shall be that I will finish and I will accomplish everything I said that I would do through them. And the sign shall be that every single loose end will begin to come together. The sign shall be that hearts will come alive in a way they've never ever known. A changing of names. The tired and the weary, the battered from battle and the assassinated, the ones who have been taken out and the ones who have been deactivated. I am restoring them, says the Lord. I'm giving them a fresh wind and putting my spirit upon them without measure. I'm bringing so many back from the brink of death in this season. You'll be so surprised who I restore to their former glory, but with so much more. New names, names, that's right. Names are going to change. Names are going to be changed. New robes and new running shoes. These are the days I will build and I will establish my covenant afresh with them and I will plant them in the midst of the ruins of the nations, the ruins of the governments, the ruins of the empires of church. And I will position them in the rubble to be those who will be the restorers of the breach, says the Lord. They will dance upon injustice and rule the land rightfully where others have failed. They will see plenty where the world finds lack, and they will thrive where the world sinks further into survival. I will give them my counsel in these days 
wisdom and insight to know how to navigate the hour at hand. And they will not become prey for lions or go hungry. I will protect them and uphold them for their faithfulness. Establishing his heart and pouring out his glory. I am changing my people back to the drawing board right now, back to the beginning, so I can course correct into a greater future than they've ever been heading toward. This is a season where every ceiling of man is breaking. Every ceiling that has been exalted and idolized is breaking. Every single throne that has been exalted above me is crumbling. And I've called you into this hour to establish what only comes from my heart. For I have been looking for those with a heart after my own heart that will worship me, only me, and build only my house, who will say only what I am saying and do what only I am doing, regardless of what people around them say. They are the ones I'm going to use, and they are the ones I'm establishing in this season, says the Lord. And the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former, and I will pour out my glory in such a magnitude that the earth has not seen. I'm about to pour out my glory in places of extreme darkness. Places that look impossible to be turned around and where it looks impossible for any fruit to come from. Out of those places, I'm going to pour out my glory. And in this season, I'm going to use my people to do unusual and unexpected exploits. And those who follow me into places where it does not make sense, I will use them as instruments of my glory. I am your breaker. Then I heard the Lord say, so don't retreat. Don't run backward in fear because of the unknown future ahead of you, because I've already gone before you. I am your breaker. The one who breaks open the way will go up before them they will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass before them. The Lord at their head. Micah 2, 13. For many would say that there is hardship coming. But no matter what the enemy constructs, I will be your safety and your provision. I will give you wisdom to work around obstacles. In famine, I have designed for you to be fruitful. And in chaos, I have designed for you to be a place of peace for the hurting. Yes, you will build safe houses and places of protection from the storm. They will be greenhouses where what I pour out will multiply rapidly. Because the hour is at hand and the workers are few for the harvest.
and you will build refuges, homes, and raise up families who will be mighty in the earth, who will restore the places of desolation. And my church will leave the pews of apathy and become warriors and watchmen of this new era. And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the road, remove the obstacles out of the way of my people, Isaiah 57, 14. And I will draw the outcasts to you, the isolated and the lonely without families. And you will restore the brokenness that a fatherless culture has created. Opening blind eyes and re resurrecting fallen soldiers. Some will say, but what do I have in my hand to build with? I'm empty. And I would answer them, your eyes are about to be open to see everything that has been increasing this season of extreme opposition and seeming loss. You will just see just how sharp the sword in your hand has become and the axe in your other hand to tear down. This will be a time of the opening of the eyes of the blind and the resurrection of the fallen soldiers of combat. The Lord says, do you see yet? Do you see the sparks all around the earth forming? Do you see the stifled smoking wicks beginning to burst into flame? I will do what I said I would do, and I will finish what I started. Building worship families. As I was still in this prophetic flow, I saw a vision of something on the Lord's heart. Worship houses. I, where lighting up the map. I'm going to say that again. I saw a vision of something on the Lord's heart. Worship houses were lighting up the map. They were physical properties, land that has been transformed into places of encounter and true belonging. I could sense that these were healing centers where people will come to detox from religious systems and encounter the King of Glory. They will be places to cultivate real family, not just meaningful community. They will be hubs for the harvest, training, and sending places. So it's time to build again. I want to end this word by encouraging those of you who had dropped your building plans in the last season because of warfare became too much or the opposition from other believers stole your joy. It's time to pick up your blueprints and build again. It's time to leave the messy transition and long season of feeling lost and homeless. It is time to be established 
and thrive for the days to come. I did make a few copies of this, so if somebody wants this, come and see me. Thank you. How many received that? Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, Gus, you want to come up here and we'll... Uh, Lord, we have hearts to receive the prophecy that is given. We're moving into a new place, Lord, and we also have hearts to receive what you have prepared Gus to share with us this morning. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. It's good to see the sunshine. Amen. Good to see the rain, but it's good to see the sunshine after it's been cloudy for so many days. And it's good to hear a word from the Lord, a word of encouragement that God is still on the throne, that he's turning things in our favor. Hallelujah. I just want to share a word with you this morning that was given to Jerry Savelle. And he said this word is for the nation. It's for ten strength. It's for the nation. But it's for the whole world. And it's a word that we need to hear in this hour. And it's a short word. But to me... It's powerful. If you will not be moved or shaken by the chaos and disorder in the world around you, then God will open up his hand and give you. He'll cause you to receive supernatural extraordinary, unusual provision. Oh, how many can say amen to that? Amen. And I think we all need that. Unusual, extraordinary, supernatural provision in this hour. That God will make a way for us where there is no way no matter what's going on in the world, we need to believe and trust that God is with us. Hallelujah. And that's not really the message that I was going to share this morning, but I think it all ties together. I really do. I want to start out this morning in the book of Romans, chapter 4, verse 17. Hallelujah. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. She, the, the good Lord was talking to Abraham and he gave him this promise. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not 
as though they were. And so, because God made us in his image, and he's called us to walk in faith, we need to learn to call those things which are not as though they were. In Jesus' name. For this is the hour of the great outpouring of the Spirit that God promised. Because we live in those last days before that great outpouring. When God wants to move in a supernatural way in our lives, He wants to move, that's His desire. But sometimes it's up to us to take a step of faith and to believe God and to stand up and shout that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he hasn't changed, that this word is true. You know, when you have a problem in your life, you need to find the promise in this book. And you need to plant your feet there. And you need to shout to the Lord and say, it is written. And that's really what God wants to hear. He wants to know that we believe that he is God Almighty. That he has the power to move situations in our lives. And when we stand up in faith, God is honored. Oh, hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that it's the prayer of faith. You need to mix some faith with it. It's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. But it's the prayer of faith that moves God to action. You know, we feel sorry for people sometimes because of their circumstances. God sees us. He has compassion. But if you want to move God to act, then you need to begin to call those things which are not as though they were. It took Abraham a long time to get into faith. You know, scholars say that when he received that word from God, that 25 years passed before that really settled down in his heart and he got hold of it. And he actually believed God. And the Bible says that by that time he was 99 years old and his wife was old and she had passed that time of bearing children. 
And when she heard it, she laughed. You know, it's good to laugh with God, but you shouldn't laugh at it. Oh, hallelujah. 25 years went by. And they tried to do it their way. You know, they finally decided, well, why don't you have a son with the maid? And that's where Ishmael came from. And we're still dealing with the problems that that caused. We need to learn to do things God's way. We always have a better idea. We always have our own plans. But things work a whole lot better when we get in tune with God and do things His way. Sometimes we have to wait. Abraham waited. 25 years. But now, there comes a point in your life where you don't have 25 years to wait. It works a whole lot better when you just get in tune with the Spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. I just want to read some of this. This will bless you. The Bible says, verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Oh, say that with me. I am not weak in faith. I stagger not at the promise of God. I am strong in faith, giving glory to God. I am fully, fully persuaded that what He has promised, He is able to perform. And because of that, I am righteous. Just like Abraham. Oh, hallelujah. It's not, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. It was not written for Abraham alone, but it was written for us also. That we might believe, that we might learn to walk in faith, that we might get to that point in our lives where we can call those things which are not as though they were. In other words, we can pray that prayer of faith. Oh, hallelujah. 
Hebrews 10, verse 19, says to hold fast. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, let us hold fast our confession of faith. Don't let the devil steal it from you. You know, there's always opposition. You ever do a tug of war with a rope? <clears throat> one team gets on one end of the rope. Another team gets on the other. And you both pull. And you got a mud puddle in the middle. And whoever loses that war falls in the mud puddle. The point is that whenever you do anything, <coughs> there's going to be spiritual opposition. The devil will try to steal your blessing. Hallelujah. And we need to stand strong and trust God in the middle of the battle. First Peter <coughs> chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. That means keep your guard up. It also means <coughs> don't spend all your time in the pub. Don't spend all your time at the football game. Don't spend all your time in front of the TV watching the worldly TV. Don't let the devil steal your time. It says be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And so he's looking for someone who is distracted. Someone who has taken their eyes off of Jesus. Hallelujah. Someone who doesn't have that word implanted in their heart. You need to learn to stay in the word until the word stays in you. So that when trouble comes, something rises up in your spirit. A verse comes that gives you strength to stand. A verse that you can speak to the devil and say, it is written. We just need to learn to call those things which are not as though they were. And only God can give us faith to do that. And we know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 
And we get faith when we come together in fellowship. Our faith increases when we spend time in prayer with God. We need to learn to seek it with our whole heart. Especially in this hour. This is not a time to be lukewarm. We need to learn to resist the devil. The Bible says he will flee from you. But there's going to be a fight. He will test you. Those tests come. Oh, hallelujah. Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 12. And this is Jehoshaphat. He was the king of Judah. And Moab came against him with a great army. <clears throat> but Jehoshaphat was a man of God. And he cried out to God. And he said, their army is so powerful. They're stronger than we are. But he cried out in faith. The word says, Our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. But our eyes are on you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. When trouble comes, we need to stand and say that. Lord, my eyes are on you. How are you bigger than this situation in my life? I know that you have an answer. That you can send an army of angels to turn this situation around. We don't know how God is going to do it. But we need to believe that he is well able. And that if we'll stand in faith, he will do it. Oh, my eyes are on the Lord. Hallelujah. I was out in the hay field this summer. And I, it was a day just like this. The sun was shining. I was breaking hay and Jimmy was bailing. And I thought, this is awesome. But all of a sudden, this black cloud come up. The sky turned black. It started to rain. It was raining on my parade. <laughs> and I thought... How am I going to handle this? 
looking over at Jimmy to see if he's going to stop bailing. And Jimmy just kept on bailing. And I, I started to praise the Lord. I just started to praise God. I said, Lord, you're bigger than this. And pretty soon the rain stopped. The sun came out. And we finished bailing up that whole field of hay. And then we went home. And it hadn't rained at home. But between that hay field and home, it had poured. The ground was wet, the road was wet, there were puddles everywhere. But when I got home, it hadn't rained a drop. And so we finished bailing hay. And I thought, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You are willing. God is a personal God. He knows our needs. You know, he said, before you call, I will answer. He will answer. The answer is on the way. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Everybody say all. All, all, things, all things are possible, are possible. To, me. to me because I believe, because I believe. that Jesus Christ, is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, hallelujah. His promises, His promises. Are, yea and amen. are yea and amen. We just need to take that word and believe it. Say, yes, Lord. It is written. I believe it. That word is for me. It's for such a time as this. Ooh, the world is falling apart. How about that? But God, he sits in heaven and he laughs. That's what the Bible says. He laughs at those people who say there is no God and are trying to do things their own way and they're falling flat on their face and everything they try to do goes wrong. But if you are walking in faith then the Bible says that everything you put your hand to will prosper. And that's a faith walk, believe me. You just need to be careful what you put your hand to and make sure that God is calling you to do that. But if it's, oh God, it will prosper. 
God will make a way where there is no way. But it's faith. We need to just trust God and go on. Hallelujah. Psalm 34, verse 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Oh, hallelujah. So when we cry unto the Lord, we know that he hears us. But he has promised to deliver us out of all, everybody say all, all our prayers. Verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Draw nigh to God. The Bible says he will draw nigh to you. We walk with him. He walks with us. Hallelujah. Verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We can all testify to that, I think. We don't have trouble with that part. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Oh, we can shout. That's shout ground right there. Oh, hallelujah. He delivereth us out of all our troubles. Hallelujah. God of mercy and hope. Whoa, now I lost it. Am I? I guess not. He gives us a purpose on this earth. We know that we are not alone. Everything that we're going through, others have gone through. But we need to say, I will not fear. I will not quit. I will not be defeated. Because God is with me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Oh, he has made me the head, not the tail. He has put me above and not beneath. Hallelujah. That's the promise of God, that if I am faithful to his commandments, that I will prosper in everything I put my hand to. That I'm blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out. We just need to believe that. We need to confess that. 
The Bible says, call those things which are not as though they were. That's faith. We need to speak faith over our lives, over our families, no matter what's going on. You know, I think you know who George Mueller was. He was a great man of faith who believed God for supernatural provision in his life. He was born in 1805. He died in 1898. And he was the proverbial wayward child. He was born in Prussia and they moved to England. His father was a tax collector. His father was not a Christian and neither was George. George used to steal money from his father and one day his father set a trap for him and he got caught. But he didn't repent. He just decided that the important thing is not to get caught. And his father sent him to school and he went to the university and he was a brilliant student. You know, he learned nine different languages. He was gifted. But he spent all his time in the bar and in the gambling halls. But one day, He asked one of his friends, he said, well, come on with me, let's go to the bar. And his friend says, no. He said, I, I have a place, I, I need to go. And he said, uh, you, you wouldn't be interested. George says, let me go with you. And finally, the guy says, well, I'm going to a prayer meeting. And George, being a great scholar, he said, well, he says, I want to go with you. And he was thinking all the time, well, I'm going to go convince these people that the Bible is a lie and there really is no God. But something happened and he got saved. And it changed his life. And so he went back to the university and he thought after all the money that he had stolen from his father, 
and all the money that he had wasted living a desolate, a, a desolate life, he decided that he couldn't take money from his father anymore. That he would just trust God to go to college. And he said one day, one of his professors came and said, we would like you to tutor a, a student. And he said, well, we're willing to pay you. But it was only a fourth of the money he needed to get through school. He said, well, Lord, that's not enough. But the professor said, but wait, we have three other students. We'd like you to tutor them too. And it was exactly the amount of money that he needed to get through school. And so he learned to walk in faith. And that's a lesson that we all need to learn is to walk in faith and trust God. And we know that God put it in his heart to set an orphanage. He started with one. <laughs> one little girl, 11 years old. But soon there were 30. But it wasn't that. It wasn't, it wasn't enough. And soon there were a hundred. And that wasn't enough. And then there were a hundred and thirty. And it still wasn't enough. And we know that by the time he died, he had 2,500 orphans. He had five huge buildings. He not only believed for God for the money, and he never asked for donations. He went to the Lord in prayer whenever he had a need and believed that God would answer it. And we know the story that one morning there was no food. And they sat down at breakfast and he prayed. Now the plates are set, the silverware is on the table. The kids are sitting there at the table, but there's no food. And he began to pray. And he thanked God for the food. And there was a knock on the door. It was the milkman. Now remember this is, you know, back in the 1800s. So he had a wooden wagon. 
full of milk. He said, my axle broke. He said, in order to fix it, I got to get rid of that milk. Can you use it? So they had milk. And pretty soon there was a knock on the door. And here come the baker. He said, the Lord woke me up at 3 o'clock this morning and put it in my heart to bake bread. He said, do you need bread? God, God supplied his needs. And the word says that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Oh, hallelujah. He told another story. He got a letter in the mail. And people were upset because they felt that all these orphans were lowering the price of the land in the neighborhood. And so George is thinking, well, what should I do about this? He thought, well, maybe I, I need to move into a bigger facility. So he found some land. But the land cost 200 pounds an acre. And he only had 120 pounds to pay. So he thought, well, I'll go talk to the guy and see if maybe he won't come down in price. So he went to his, his factory and he wasn't there. So he went to his house and he wasn't there either. And George got back in prayer and he said, Lord, he said, I'm going to quit trying to do your work for you. He said, I tried to, to turn things myself, he said, but I just give it to you. And about that time, there was a knock on the door. Here comes the man he was looking for. He said, the Lord's been dealing with me. He said, I'd like to give you that land. He said, but I have debts to pay. He said, would you, would you be willing to pay 120 pounds an acre for that land? Hallelujah. God is well able to supply our needs according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. I have another story. 
And this blessed me. A man drove in my yard. And I looked at the car he was driving. I said, that's a Toyota Camry. I've been asking the Lord for a Toyota Camry. An old one, in good shape, no rust, that I could pay cash for. Hallelujah. And I was praying. My prayer goes, this is months ago. The Lord said, I'm going to give you that car. I thought, well, that would be awesome if you would do that. You know. <laughs> but you know, you have to wait sometimes for an answer. How many know that? And that car belonged to a missionary. He was here in this church. But I planted the seed the first time I met him. I, I gave him some money. I blessed him. I said, I invited him to my house because I wanted to find out where his heart was. I just felt led to do that. And I never asked him about the car. I never talked about it. I thought, you know, the Bible says don't covet your neighbor's stuff, you know. <laughs> I thought if it's God, God will work this out. And so finally, I kept running into him. And so one day, not very long ago, I asked him, I said, what are you going to do with that car when you go to Georgia? Oh, he said, I'm going to sell it. I said, well, if you're going to sell it, why don't you sell it to me? And he never answered. He said, well, and I thought, oh, he's got people that want it probably. He said, well, I got to do some work on it, he said. And we left it at that. But a week or so ago, he called me up. He said, you still want that car? I said, yep, I do. I said, he said, are you home? He says, I'll drive it out there and drop it out. You know, I paid for that car. I never drove it. I never looked at it. The Lord said, that's my car. That's good enough for me. And after I wrote him the check and before he left, I went out and got in the car. I said, well, how does this thing work, you know? Oh, he said, it works, everything works. It's even got air conditioning. I said, <laughs> You don't need air conditioning in Minnesota. <laughs> Only two days in July. What you really need is a heater. <laughs> but you know, he, that car came from California. So there's no rust. But he put a headboat heater on it. Hallelujah. I think every car I've ever bought, I had to put a headboat heater on it. 
That blessed me. You know, George Mueller said, and he was referring to a gift that he got, but he planted some seed in order to get that gift. A man called him once, he said, I want to go on the mission field, but my father is not in agreement. And George said, well, you should honor your mother and father. He said, let's pray for your parents. And you know, they prayed. His father got saved. And his father came into agreement that, yeah, he should go on the mission field. But he called George before he left. He said, you need to pray for my sister. My sister is not saved. And so they prayed for the sister. She got saved and she wrote George a letter. She said, I'm sending you the toys of my vanity. Now, George Mueller, he's got 2,500 kids, right? He said, what am I going to do with one toy? Can't give that to just one kid. You've got to give one to each one, or they won't be happy. And so he's mulling over this, and he's thinking, Lord, what's this all about? So he finally gets around to opening up the box. And in that little package were the crown jewels of England. A diamond necklace. <coughs> and some other jewelry that was worth an absolute small fortune. Oh, hallelujah. And so I think about that car. Here's what George Mueller would have said. Well, God gave that car to that missionary because he had a need. And then that God gave that car to me because I had a need. And God gave me the money to pay for it because he had a need. That's our God. Oh, hallelujah. We're moving into a time when things are speeding up. They're speeding up. If you pay attention to what's going on in the Ukraine, they're finding new ways to fight wars. <laughs> new and more powerful bombs and weapons and missiles and drones and things are speeding up. <clears throat> We're getting close to that day when Jesus is coming back. 
And we, church, need to be ready. We need to open our hearts to that move of the Holy Ghost that God wants to pour out on the earth. We need to be part of it. We need to say, here, my Lord, send me. Hallelujah. I did that 40 years ago. The Lord sent me. The hand of God is open. Amen. That's what Jerry Sabell said. Amen. The hand of the Lord is open. If you will not be moved, if you will not be shaken by what's happening in the world today, Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet as I close today. I don't know why God has put this in my heart, but I see houses know that old song about the blessings of the Lord and it's a roof over your head that's a blessing and so there are people here today who are trying to buy a house People here today who are looking for land. There's people here today who are looking for an apartment, a place to live. People here today who are building houses. And I, it's all a faith walk. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, we just call forth the answer in that mighty name of Jesus. We call forth that special house, that apartment, that place to rent, that piece of land. We see that house built coming together in the name of Jesus. Father, we just lose angels in the heavenlies to supply every need in Jesus' name. Lord, we see those two by fours coming together, two by sixes, two by tens, whatever they are. We see the roof going on by faith in the name of Jesus. We stand in faith for every need in this congregation. Not only our own needs, but the needs of our brothers. Oh, remember the children of Israel, they got to that place where there was bitter water, the waters of Marah. And maybe there's bitter waters in your life, a broken relationship, financial problems, hurts. 
But God is bigger than all that. We need to turn to him, put our eyes on Jesus, and trust that he will make a way. We just speak health and life into everyone here today. Supernatural health, life, healing, strength that only God can give. Oh, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, then he will quicken our mortal bodies. Father, we thank you that we are being quickened right now as we speak, as we pray, as we come into your presence. We just thank you, Lord, that the answer is on the way, that God is working in our situation. He's working to meet our financial needs. He's working to strengthen us on the inside. Oh, hallelujah. How many can shout and say amen? I received that in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good. Father, I just speak a blessing over everyone here as you go. That the sun would always shine in your life. Hallelujah. That the wind would be at your back. That the road would just rise up to meet you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go and be blessed. Hallelujah. Praise God.